the only time I look back is to see how far I've come. And I know that sounds super cliche, but truly you have to see where you came from to appreciate where you are. And I think the more you do that, the more your the more confidence you'll gain in where you are and just saying like, oh yeah, I did that shit to get here. Like I deserve to be here. This is where you're meant to be. Like I know it. I've never My been best self is better than every single person who's gonna walk on that platform that night. Gosh, man, that was it's a moment to change my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. On this week's show, I am joined by Reba Lewis, a 71 kilo weightlifter. She's competed internationally for Team USA, as well as in some of the highest level national competitions. One thing I notice as weightlifting gets more eyeballs, I feel like it keeps growing every single year. There are so many athletes who are training in their garages, training in circumstances that aren't necessarily ideal. They don't have sponsors. They don't have these meal prep companies doing everything for them. They're just hobby weightlifters and that's what Reba calls herself is a hobby weightlifter she does it for fun she pays her way towards these national and international competitions but she's managed to make it to a really high level and I think it's really cool when you see people who are doing this for fun who aren't taking it too seriously and those are the kind of people that I want to highlight and I think Reba is a perfect ambassador for that she talks uh, a lot about being a remote athlete, what some of the struggles are, some of the challenges, but also how it's kind of made her a better lifter. So if this one's definitely for you. If you are a remote athlete training in your garage, you're really not sure why you're doing it. Definitely give this one a listen. I think we talked about a bunch of good stuff, and I hope you guys enjoy this one. So you have a full setup in your garage? Yeah, yeah. So um, all weights um like a rig um i don't really have blocks but i can kind of sort of like finagle and make like some blocks um with uh some of the like crash pads i have and some of the um wow i completely forget what they're called the where they do jump on them on crossfit and people like eat shit all the time because they like don't jump high enough just a regular box Okay, thank you. Okay, so I just called a regular box. Sorry, yeah. Um, so I have like those, I can like stack on top and then have the crash pads and then have like fake jerk blocks. Um, that's like the really the only equipment that I don't have, um, because they're super expensive. And I've built like pool blocks and stuff like that. It's fairly cheap, but man, those jerk blocks. Like I would love a nice like pin lay set or like um rogue ones but it's a pretty penny that i don't want to pay (laughs) did you do the home gym all at one time or did you start collecting equipment um it was kind of like a collect as you go um the only thing that i really bought brand new was the kilo plates that i had um everything else was kind of well the kilo plates and the rig um because that's like bolted into the ground. Um, those are like the only two things that I bought brand new. And this was like pre-pandemic. So I didn't pay like ridiculous prices that stuff was going for in the pandemic. Um, I But everything else I pretty much like just like finagled and like searched online from Craigslist to Facebook to um, like just people knowing that I was like weightlifting in my garage and saying like, oh, my cousin Jimmy 
knew a guy whose gym is closing down. You want to go look at their stuff. And so like, that's how I kind of got like uh, some dumbbells and stuff like that. So little by little, not all at once, because I knew that I always wanted a home gym, but it was going to be stupid expensive to try and say like, all right, I'm going to build this out right here, right now. It was, yeah, it wasn't possible. So little by little, I just like added to my collection as I go. Um, And I still every now and then, like, like I said, I'm looking for jerk blocks. Um, Like I'll like try and search for it, but I don't know the cost of gym equipment right now, even still after like, I mean, we're still like in the pandemic. um, It's still, it's still surging. Like, and I refuse to buy overpriced gym equipment knowing what it was, you know? Yeah. So if anyone's listening and you have jerk blocks that you're not using, send them to Reba. Yes, please send them my way. I will drive as much as like, so I'm in North Carolina. Uh, I mean, I'll drive shoot up to Maryland for them, like down to, I won't say down to Florida because that's <laughs> quite a bit of a drive, but I'll drive kind of like north um, and south, a little bit west to get them. So yeah, if you have any, let me know. <laughs> that's really cool. I remember when, uh, so our gym first closed in March, obviously, and the first probably, I, I mean, the first session I did in the garage, I was like, how do people do this? It, I was just so demoralized. Um, I came from a gym where we had air conditioning, we had brand new Usaka and Rogue plates. Everything was just the perfect setup. And then I got in this environment that was terrible for lifting. And my attitude was so bad about it. So I thought it was really interesting because there's a lot of people who are just lifting in their garage, especially someone who's at your level competing for Team USA. You're doing this by yourself most of the time. You're not in a gym. You just, you know, you're collecting your plates, collecting your setup and just trying to get by. And it's it's amazing. It really is. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like, don't get me wrong. Like I'm. So I bought my full set of kilo plates from Vulcan, which is local to me. I want to say they're based out of Charlotte, but that might not be right. Um, But Vulcan Strength Training, they have some really good training bumper plates. And I knew I was like, I knew I could have been eclectic with it and had like some rogue plates or some like pin lays or some just like, I don't know, again, faster, like random brands. But I knew that's the one thing that I wanted to be like the same. and so I bought those, but it, but my change plates are from Amazon. I mean, like I have like what I consider a CrossFit bar and then I have my nice Alico bar and it's just like, it's just a nice little eclectic gym that I have, you know? Um, and it's not, I get like, it's, it's not pretty. It's not ideal for some, like I built my own platform, um, I need to like replace the centerpiece of wood because I've used it so much. But I mean, it gets the job done. And at the end of the day, like I can still lift and I'm happy about it. So it may not look like your nice pristine like gyms, like, I don't know, like, like, for example, my home gym bear is really nice. Or like I've seen SoCal has a nice setup. Um, but I mean, it gets the job done. Yeah. And I, I told you, like, I'm interested. I, I was looking at USA Weightlifting's Instagram this morning and you see a lot of people, especially the ones who are training at the highest level, you, they have all the nicest equipment, they have the sponsors, the meal prep, everything's kind of dialed in. But for every single one of those people, there's 10 people who are doing this in their garage, you're paying for PT, you're not getting stuff handed to you. And those are the people that I want to highlight, because I feel like there's so many people who are doing that. And it's incredible that you're able to get to this level without 
all the all the fancy stuff and without just having everything optimized you have a full-time job yeah, so it's exactly. not, you, you're not training 20 hours a week you're not able to do that yeah and that's and that's the thing is like i hear people all the time say like oh well i want to be at the level of like maddie rogers or the kate nyes um but i don't have a sponsorship or but i don't have a job that allows me to work around my training schedule and it, those are the people that I call the hobby weightlifters. I call myself a hobby weightlifter um, simply because like it is a hobby at the end of the day. Like I'm not sponsored. I'm, I don't get any money to like, I pay to do this. I pay to travel. I pay for my membership, like on my team for my training. Like I'm paying for my, like I pay for equipment. So it's just like, it's weightlifting is, it's like, it's two levels in a sense, the top tier Olympians that we have, which are very, obviously they're obviously very talented. And then we have a lot of the hobby weightlifters that are still making like these smaller team USAs, but it's just like, all right, how are these people getting there? You know? So that's one of the things that like I try and put out on my social media is the fact of like, you can still do it regardless of eating perfectly or having a meal plan or using RP or not using RP, you know, um, you can still do it having a CrossFit bar or having a bar that's not Alico or Yusaka, you know, you can still do it having mismatch plates or, you know, figuring out, I won't say picking and choosing what works out workouts you do, but picking and choosing the times in which you work out and, you know, feeling your body out. Cause at the end of the day, like weightlifting is an expensive sport. Like it, truly is um but as long as you enjoy it as long as you figure out a way to do it that works within your means and you're not like sacrificing your mental health or your finances to do it then just why not do it on your own time you know has there ever been a part of you that's looked at the maddie rogers and kate and i and thought you know like almost got jealous a little bit like where could you have been if if you had all these circumstances go your way? Oh, absolutely. Like I have, like, like you said, I have a full-time job. Um, and I have several, well, I won't say several, but I have like a lot of little like here and there part-time jobs that I'll pick up if I need extra cash or something like that. But I'm, but I mean, yeah, there's times where I definitely look at higher level elite athletes that are pretty much paid to do this. I mean, they have a stipend from USAW they have their sponsorships, so they get a lot of their equipment for free or like their meal planning, meal prep, meal services or PT. And there's definitely times where I'm like, man, if I had my meals planned out for me and meals like delivered to my doorstep, of course, I'd be at this level. Of course, I could be on a Pan Am's team. Of course, I could be going to Worlds, you know, but it's that mindset of like, I, it's that mindset that I had to reel myself in. It's like, all right, you could be there, but you're not. Like, let's reel it back down to be seeing where you are realistically. Like, I have a career, I have a life, I have other priorities outside of weightlifting that I want to give fair time to. But it just so happens that I'm still pretty decently competitive with weightlifting. And I just have to weigh the odds with that and just kind of come to circumstances with like, all right, of course I want to be there. Of course, like I'm envious of that. But I'm appreciative of where I am, too, because I think that's just I think at the end of the day, like I am who I am because of the circumstances I'm in, you know? Yeah. On the flip side of that, do you feel like it almost makes you a better weightlifter because you are doing this for fun? Uh, definitely. Definitely. Like there's because it's not given to me. And, I, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that 
those higher level elite athletes because they're given this stuff like they're entitled to it. But because I'm not given it, I understand what it is to sacrifice time, energy, effort, finances to like be the athlete that I am. Um, I, it's something that I will always value. And it's not, it's, it's like, if I could go back in time and like find weightlifting earlier, cause that's what everybody says. Like, Oh, I wish I started this earlier. I wish I this earlier. And it's just like, yeah, sure. Of course you then be obviously more advanced one would think, um, or one would hope, but at the same time, like I, I love where I'm at in weightlifting, even though I'm not the, the best 71 ranked lifter in America, or I don't know, I think I, or even in my state, like, it's still like, I like where I am with weightlifting and I am super appreciative of working my ass off to get to where I am today, you know? Yeah, that's really refreshing to hear. Like it, it's a good mindset because you, you can you can always think like, oh, if my circumstances were different, but at the end of the day it boils down to like you're where you're at and you can't exactly. you, you you can't really control it to a sense, but also like everything that you have, you can control. So like if you wanted to yeah, maybe you'd move up five spots in the rankings to quit your job and work part time. But like, is that really worth it? Is that a sacrifice that you want to make? Exactly. And I mean, there's, of course, there's things like, like, there's a lot of from like the things that I've sacrificed for weightlifting. I mean, it's mostly been time, energy and effort. Um, and a lot of money, got a lot of money. <laughs> but I mean, outside of that, like, truly, and that's, that's, it's funny, because it's like, I prioritize my weightlifting so obviously I have to work my job to, you know, be able to have a living. But then right after that is weightlifting. Like truly, that is my second priority. And so that's a huge sacrifice in itself because there's friendships, relationships that I know that takes a strain and a toll on. Um, but I know I have a finite like amount of time with weightlifting. So I want to, in a sense, get as much out of it as I can. So, I mean, that's that's my priority. That's my prerogative. I know a lot of people like, don't aren't that serious about it which is fine um but that's me as a whole what's your timeline like how long do you want to do this for Ooh, um i wanna okay i i wish i told my coach Brittany rucker i was like man i want to get as much possible be on as many team usas as i can before i'm a um i'm a senior level athlete before i'm a master's which is 35 and i'm 30 right now and usaw ages you up here which is great um so i'm telling myself like the next like four years i'm really gonna run super hard be super competitive do everything in my power to like get to get as many opportunities as i can but i say 35 but i'm gonna still lift after i mean even when i like retire which i don't think i ever will um i'll still this this will be how i work out even like i'll be that little only in the gym that's like out there deadlifting like cleaning and doing all sorts of crazy like Olympic lifting stuff because I mean, it's just my niche. So. I love it. One of my favorite pieces of advice somebody told me, I think on the podcast that if what you're doing right now, if you can't see yourself doing it in 10 years, you should probably change your routine. And obviously huh. if you're competitive, there's give and take. Like, I mean, if you want to be the best weightlifter you can be, you're going to have to risk injury. You're going to have to sacrifice stuff. You're going to train the way you probably wouldn't train 10, 20 years down the road. But I mean, if you're doing something like in, in my case, I did weightlifting for four years. I've been, I guess on a hiatus. I don't know where I'm at with it. It's funny. Um, 
just at the present moment i haven't been lifting in the past like three months and i mean like do i see myself doing it i don't know and i i love being a part of it like i can do it through the podcast where i can highlight lifters like you and i think it's awesome and then i also don't have to risk the injury and i don't have to (laughs) sacrifice getting in the gym so so yeah it's fun at this point yeah definitely you can kind of live through us in a sense (laughs) yeah exactly i mean the training the i I don't know if like you've experienced this. Have you ever had any like major injuries? Um, so there's not anything in the sense of where I had to like have surgery or, I mean, there's been a few um, hamstring pulls that I've had that I've had to address. Um, so I've always been a remote athlete. Um, and after finding weightlifting from CrossFit, I kind of like just was figuring it out of myself. And so there's been a few hamstring pulls, a few minor wrist injuries. Um, but before weightlifting, I broke my right wrist three times and sprained it twice. So my right wrist is kind of like the foot. But um, luckily, actually, from weightlifting, I never had an injury like from weightlifting to like on that um, previously injured wrist. But really, no, no real downtime other than a few hamstring pulls. But I've been lucky knock on wood um to really not be too injured I mean I've had silly injuries of like a sprained ankle from like snowboarding or something silly like that but nothing ever really from weightlifting that's awesome yeah definitely knock on wood I I mean I didn't have any I didn't have any major breaks or anything like that but I did hurt my wrist to the point where it hurt to get down into a push-up position and I felt like that always limited me because I always thought like, is this going to be the snatch that I hurt my wrist on? And I just could oh, never no. figure out how to get that out of my head. Isn't that when you when you start thinking like that? Because I mean, it's I tell people all the time, I'm like weightlifting. OK, yes, we all know it's about who can lift the heaviest weight. But I truly feel like weight, weight, sorry, weightlifting is such a mental grind that people we talk about it now more than ever, especially with mental health being um, in the center of a lot of things coming up in the world but truly weightlifting is such a mental battle from start to end it's just like so when you add an injury or when you add like second guess even second guessing yourself like it just adds the layers on layers on layers on layers on layers and it's just like that's why when people will say like do something or if you're scared just do it and I'm just like yeah that doesn't really apply to weightlifting because you're scared you're gonna be thinking about that and that's gonna mess you up somehow in some way you know (laughs) Yeah, your body is just naturally telling you, like, don't get in this position. And you're just fight. The more you fight that, the harder it's going to be, like the the harder the technique errors you're going to make. So that that was my main issue. Maybe I need to speak to more sports psychologists and figure that out. I actually had a sports psychologist. Um, There was a point where I kind of like went through a mental block and it wasn't more so it wasn't like a plateau. Like I was still doing great in training. I just. I always told myself like weightlifting is always going to be fun for me. So I never like, I never dreamed I would be at the point where I'm at right now. Um, and I have bigger goals and bigger dreams that I want to obtain definitely for sure. But it just got to a point where I was like, I never want weightlifting to not be fun. Cause I got into this to be fun for it to be a hobby, you know, but I don't want to dread going into my training session. I mean, there's times where we're like, man, we got, five by five squats I don't want to do that like it's different than that like I never wanted weightlifting to be cumbersome and so it got to a point one time in my training where I 
just didn't enjoy it. And I'm like, okay, hold on, pump the brakes. I always told myself I didn't want to get here. Like, what's this mental block with it? So I actually hired a sports psychologist and I definitely recommend it. Like it's, I know some people are like, oh, well, you know, it's just about like knowing yourself. It is, but it also helps talking with a profession that is like truly a sports psychologist to help you get over some of that. Um, I mean, and there's so many books that I can recommend too about that, but I mean, truly sports psychology is amazing. And I, I mean, it's definitely about the psychologist that you get, but I mean, hands down, 10 out of 10, I always recommend that. So like, how'd you, how'd you kind of get past that? What, what were the steps you took? So for me, it was it, a really, pro, a really big problem I had was visualization. Um, I know a lot of people use it as a way of making lifts, a way of seeing lifts being made. Um, and just kind of like seeing their body move kind of out of their body. But for me, it was just hard. Like I, like I said, my training was going good. I just like, I wasn't happy with how I was moving, what I was doing. And it was more so because I had a lot of self doubt. Um, and so what my sports psychologist suggests I do was work on visual, work on visualizing where I am and what I want to do, but being present in the moment. Cause I'm always, I'm always like, I'm a big picture person. So it's easy for me to see the big picture. It's harder for me to see the small steps to get to that big picture. Um, so she worked with me on just truly breaking things down, being in the moment and literally just seeing what's in front of me. Um, and that breaking it down that like small really helped me actually learn how to visualize. I still suck at visualization, but I mean, it, it, I suck at it because a lot of people, when they think about it, they like they're in their body and they see like stuff in front of them. It's kind of like, I have to be like, I have to see myself, like truly see, not from my own eyes, but like see myself doing the movement or see myself achieving this goal in order for the visualization to work for me. So really like kind of honing in on that technique um, really, really helped me and really kind of helped me kind of get out of my whole mental like suck in a sense where I was just like, all right, I can't see it. I can't, I don't believe it. You know, I was able to see it and then believe in it and then go. I think being able to detach yourself from a situation is a really underutilized skill, especially, I mean, people see if you post a snatch on your Instagram, people see how good it is. They're looking at, wow, she must've really developed this technique for a lot of years and you know, everything looks good. And then when you see it, you're like, oh, I see, I pulled too early. I was on my toes and you see all the, you see all the bad stuff, but if you can detach yourself from it and just think, think about like how far it did take you to get there and where you're at, appreciating where you're at, I think is huge. Yeah. Which a lot of weightlifters, I, I don't think they do it off, like often enough. It's cause you always, you're always thinking about the next step like I said, the big picture, you know, so of course, everybody wants to, you know, compete at a local meet, then go from a local meet to like a national meet, and then a national meet to Team USA, and then Team USA to bigger teams, you know, so it's always like that, that train track of like evolution from one step to the other to the other. And it's just like, all right, but let's even look like, let's even realize that we're on the rails right now, you know, a lot of people aren't even there yet. So take time to appreciate it, to see where you, like, the only time I look back is to see how far I've come. And I know that sounds super cliche, but truly you have to see where you came from to appreciate where you are. And I think the more you do that, the more 
your the more confidence you'll gain in where you are and just saying like oh yeah i did that shit to get here like i deserve to be here because again not enough weightlifters utilize that mentality and they're just like all right well i'm here but i'm not where i want to be it's like oh no 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 but you're there like but you're here right now so live in this moment soak it up you know yeah i think having hook grip and all things gym and weightlifting house it's a blessing because you're able to see the highest level in the world but it's also a big curse because you're constantly yes. trying to compare yourself to those lifters and their anatomy is completely different. Their, you know, their technique is just going to be, no one else is going to be Lu Jun. If you try to, if you try to replicate that technique, you're just going to be a really bad version of Lu. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to work for you. And, and and that's, that's another thing that you hear a lot. It's like, oh, well, I want to lift like this person, or I want to lift like you, or I want to lift like, the top Olympians and it's just like, all right, but you're physically not like them. Like you're like, we're all built different. And even if you are the same height, the same body type, hell, even like the same weight class, you know, like you're still not going to lift like them because your mechanics is different. Like it's, it just doesn't add up like that. But I mean, so that's again, another mental mind game that weightlifting plays on you. Like you said, it's awesome to have access to these videos and to like, seeing how our top lifters are lifting and how they're being super competitive but it's also a detriment to some to a lot of athletes because it's just like just a constant comparison of like all right well if i do this or if i do that or if i lift like this person i'm gonna be better it's like no like lift lift like you and and you'll be you'll be fine you know you'll get there at some point yeah i muted a lot of people in my weight class just because i was so tired of seeing them do well and it's, it sounds bad to say, but it's just like every time you're having a bad training day, you see somebody in your weight class and they just hit a PR. Oh, it's so toxic. Okay. I can't, I can't even tell you like how toxic that is. Like, but I'm so guilty of it. Like there'll be times where I'll be, like, I'll know I'm doing a meet coming up and I'm like, Ooh, let me look at that start list and see like, where people's um, uh, like claimed entries are. And I'm like, okay, like knowing have done countless competitions knowing that that can change and will change but then i'll go look up the person and be like all right well what have they hit in training you know and it's so toxic i'm laughing because like it just makes me seem like a creeper but it's like it's so toxic because we get in again we get in that mindset of like comparing ourselves to these other lifters especially ones in our weight class that we're competing against and it's just like all right well they're lifting like this so maybe i should be lifting like this or oh they're doing this accessory work maybe i should be doing that you know and it's just like no, just continue what you're doing. And again, you'll get there. Like, it just takes time. Yeah, it's such an individual sport, too. When you're going to a meet, you're going to total whatever that you've been doing in training consistently. You're not just going to show up and just beat somebody who's way better than you. So <laughs> it I, doesn't work like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people, I, I mean, I'm guilty of it, too. Like, you look at the start list and you're like, oh, I'm in the A session. And it's like, I mean, okay, yeah, I'm in the A session, but there's people with entry totals that are 60 kilos higher than me. It's just because nobody else in that weight class registered or they did a different weight class. It's just kind of funny how your brain works like that. It really, one of my old coaches, uh, one of the things that he said to me that will always stick with me is like, it doesn't matter what, what session you're in. He's like, you're here, you know, just soak it up. And it's just like, yeah, you're right. Like, cause that's the thing. A lot of, a lot of new lifters getting into weightlifting as a whole and growing to their first nationals or and by nationals, I mean like the North American series and like senior nationals as well. It's just like, 
like they get into it and they're like, it's like, they're like all right, I'm in, I'm in the 71 C session and they could be pumped. And then I've heard other people say like, oh, you're in C like, oh, like that's not a, and it's just like, who cares? Like at the end of the day, you're getting to lift on a national stage. Like who cares if you're in the E session, you're freaking here. You're going to show up. You're going to put like all your hard work out on that platform. That's all that matters. You know, like don't get caught up in that. Yeah. Some uh, Chris, who I had on the podcast last week, he was, he's a top ranked jujitsu guy, but he was saying even for the lowest level competitor, you're beating every single person who's too scared to get off the couch. Exactly. And, and you know, it's just, it's so funny because like, I kind of attribute it to a lot of like football fans who are like, especially like, because I mean, I've been in a few fantasy football leagues myself and it's just like, especially when you have these people on your roster and you want them to do well and you're just like, all right, you know, I want, I got Cam Newton and, and I won't say that because my connection with Carolina, but anyways, um, it's like, all right, I got Cam Newton and I want him, I got him on my roster for Fantasy Football League and I need 20 points out of him. All right, well, let's say Cam falls short and you only get 10 out of him and, he's, and everybody's going to be like, oh, well, if I was him, I would have did this, 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 and you're just like, okay, but you're not him. Like he's out there putting in the work. Yeah, it may not be to your standard, but he's out there, you know, and that's how weightlifters need to see it. It's just like, especially now with weightlifting being more televised and like always online and pretty much all eyes being on you. It's like people can talk about like, oh, I can't believe that person bombed out or, oh, I can't believe that person opened up that low when they've been doing X, Y, Z. And it's just like, you got to phase out all that. Like, cause at the end of the day, like when it comes to performing on the platform, there's so many elements and things that can change that can be beneficial, detrimental. And it's just like, you're there. So no matter if you're lifting your 90% or you're trying to hit a PR, like you're there, just live in that moment, realize that you did the work to get there and then just go like literally just go. Yeah. That's great advice. So as a remote athlete, your whole career, what, um, what challenges have you faced? I mean, lifting in the garage, I'm sure it's not the most glamorous. So what what have been the ups and downs that have been, you know, just by yourself? Yeah. Um, so it's obviously very challenging being by myself because it's like I'm the one having to like uplift myself. And it's like I've always, always like idolized my teammates that are at the home base that can lift in the gym in like the home or not home gym but lift in like the team gym um because having people around you having that camaraderie does lift you up and it is truly beneficial because i mean you could go into so i'm on um bear out of uh san antonio texas Brittany rucker's the head coach there but it's just like going in there you feel the energy like you feel the hypeness of it even if it's not like a big friday or something like that even if it's just a normal training day like you see your friends, like you see people like lifting, being consistent, doing what you're doing. And you're just like, that that's uplifting. But when you're doing that yourself, you walk into an empty garage and you're like, all right, I'm here. Like, it's that in itself is definitely very hard of being your own cheerleader, being your own hype person. Um, but it just comes down to like, realizing like, okay, you don't have that to your system. So what are you going to do to make sure you're there? You know? So I ask myself every day, like, all right, am I going to train today? Knowing that I am. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to get in the mindset of it. So definitely not having a team or team members behind me is hard, but it's also beneficial because I know if I can do this by myself, I can do it in front of anybody. 
Um, it's so that's definitely a challenge, but also kind of a benefit. Um, another, I think, beneficial thing for me too is I'm able to like play whatever music I want to play. And I know that sounds kind of small, but um, but like I'm able to make the space my own. So it's truly what's going to work for me, whether that comes to the lighting, the direction of the fan, the type of music I'm going to play, like it's truly in tune to my mood. There'll be times where sometimes I'm just like, man, I want to listen to some slow jams. And I like put on like my bedtime playlist because I just want to mellow out. Or there'll be times where I'm like, man, I really want to get super hype. I'm going to put on like, I don't know, like this top rap playlist. And it's like times where I'm just like, being a hood rat, just like just doing my own thing. But it's just like, it's moments like that where I can fine tune my environment to myself. That's super beneficial for me. Um, but I think the hardest thing with being like a remote athlete is just honestly, once I get out of my space, cause I've intuned it to my, like to being to me, it's harder for me to acclimate to being around people. If, mm. if that makes sense. Um, cause it's like, I, I probably go to San Antonio, um, once a month or every other month. Um, to get FaceTime with my coach. Um, but it's just like, it's hard for me to find where I fit in. And I know that's definitely a tribute to me kind of, well, me being isolated, you know? Um, and so it's it's recognizing that and finding the fine line and saying like, all right, I can do this myself. I've done it myself. All right, how do I do it with other people? Okay, I've done it myself. I know I can do it other, like you kind of like talking myself out of it. Um, but those are some of the struggles and some of the benefits that I have with like being a remote athlete. Um, I definitely don't ever recommend it to people first finding weightlifting. And I know that sounds so bad, but it's just like, there's so much benefit to being around people that are like-minded that is just so good and so wholesome about the sport that if you start by yourself, it's hard to find that. You know, so I always tell new lifters, I'm like, find a local team. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care if you have to drive 40 minutes to get there. I'm like, find somewhere where you can be in person and do that so you can find your footing and then you can go be remote. But don't ever be remote first. <laughs> like, that's just something I always suggest. Yeah, that in person, you just can't get that time back, especially if you're new. You're just creating a lot of bad habits if you're just yeah. working with somebody remote, where if you just spent that month, you know, you don't want to drive an hour each way to train. And it probably in the beginning too, like you're not really that good. So it's like, what am I, what am I doing? I was driving like an hour and 10 minutes each way. And I'm just like, oh, wow. what am I doing? I'm, I'm really bad at this thing. But like, <laughs> I ended up, I literally moved to be closer to a gym because I was like, yeah, I really want to do this. And I need to have an in-person coach. So I moved. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's the thing is just like, again, finding your own space because weightlifting, you're right. is such an ind individualized sport, but it's also team-based as well. Like in it, once you find a team that you fit on and you fit well with, oh, your weightlifting is going to, is just going to go up. It's just going to continue to get better because being around like-minded people helps so much with this sport. Cause again, it just feeds into the mentality of it. Yeah. There, I mean, there's just so many different coaches and different philosophies you have people who are doing a lot of the velocity based training now you have people who go really heavy often you have people who don't go that heavy and it's like all these people are successful but 
if you don't buy into what your coach is doing. I think that's another thing with the Instagram where you're comparing. You can always look at, oh, what's that coach doing? They're doing velocity-based training. Maybe I should be doing that. And then yeah, yeah. and then you kind of start doubting your coach because are you, are you sure that they know what they're doing? And this coach, they're producing a lot a lot higher level athletes, so should I be over there? So it's it's really easy to get caught up in that mindset, I think. Yeah, and thank you social media for giving us that beautiful yet detrimental key. I mean, you're right. It's just like you have to have a coach that you believe in. And there's times where, you know, it's going to be hard because you're right. You're going to see some team down the street that's producing all these great athletes or like they just went through a cycle and they're having all these PRs. And then you're going to be like, man, I haven't had a PR in like a few months. Does my coach know what they're doing? But it's just like, it's like, you just have to trust the system. And sadly, I mean, with having gone through a few weightlifting coaches myself and knowing a lot of people and their different stories of going, having to like try and figure out their way to their coach that make them the most successful. Like it's a trial and error process. There's no, there's no sure way of saying like, all right, I'm going to do ABC and it's going to lead me to the right coach. You know, you could do ABC, everything right. could be bought in committed and it's still not be the right fit. So it's just like, I also think people shouldn't get stuck in the mindset of thinking like, all right, well, I'm just here. So I'm going to continue to be here. Like, no, like, it's okay to ask questions and it's and especially too like if you have a coach that is truly believing in you and what you're doing they're going to be fine with you asking hey coach i see you programmed rdls what's the point of that you know like they should be able to answer that they shouldn't just say oh well it's just accessory work you know they should have a rhyme and a reason to what they're doing and being willing to share that with you because so that way you understand their process and even if you don't understand it like at least you have a reason behind it you know you're not just saying like all right well, let me just do the accessory work just to do my accessory work like no ask why you're doing this ask why you have this amount of reps and sets and what's it's what's the point of it you know I don't think any coach should be mad at their athlete wanting to have a better understanding of their training if you're doing weightlifting too I mean, there's so many different styles of fitness that you can do that are a lot easier than this. So it's like, <laughs> if I'm going to do this program, I want to make sure that it's the stuff that I'm getting is actually going to benefit me. If I'm just doing stuff, I could go to Planet Fitness. It's going to be a lot easier workout than doing heavy RDLs and different right? rep ranges on squats. So yeah, I do think that's a really valuable thing. If your coach can't answer why you're doing something, maybe it is time to start looking around for a new coach. Exactly. And that's, and that's not, I know that's so like, Oh, you shouldn't look around. You should be committed to who you're committed to. And it's like, no, you should always ask questions. Like we were taught to do that. Like from the moment we got into school to the moment we got out of school, no matter what level of schooling you have, like we're humans, we're curious by nature. And so we should always ask questions and like, see what works. Cause what works today doesn't mean that it's going to work tomorrow. And again, I don't think any coach would be mad at, an athlete for being inquisitive and just trying to figure out, you know, and it's at the end of the day, it's just going to make you a better athlete. Truly. Have you felt the more that you've progressed as an athlete, have you felt the, you know, were you able to see the stages? Like I'm a beginner right now. And then your transition to an intermediate, your transition to an athlete or to a advanced lifter. Were you kind of able to see that as it's happening? Um, more I was yes and no more so no um I always I'm a perfectionist and I hate to say that 
because I hate to admit that, but I am. So it's weightlifting for me is is very cumbersome, and the and the fact of like I like to break it down. I like to learn step by step by step, and then break it down even further. Um, but because of that, I never really like saw like, oh, well, I'm a beginner. And then, oh, I just won a local competition. That means I'm leveling up. Like I never, I never saw it like that. The only time I really saw it was when I qualified for Team USA and I got the opportunity to be invited on um, the team that lifted in Cuba earlier this year. Um, That was the only point. I mean, and now like, because I also won my first like national medal at national medals at that um, North American Open. But I mean, like I had won competitions before that. I had like competed at nationals before that. But like, even from like having just started like weightlifting up until the point I qualified for Team USA, I never really had, I never really saw like, all right, I'm a beginner to intermediate to kind of advance. Like I always just knew I was just getting better. Um, But then like the only, and the only reason why I saw like, my team USA invite as something so big is because that was something that I was working towards. And like, I literally broke down and cried six for six has a great picture of that where I'm literally on the floor with my old coach. And I'm just like, I knew I qualified and I'm just on the floor and like, like in a fetal position after I hit like my, my clean and I'm just crying. And I'm just like, I'm a good lifter now. Like knowing, knowing darn well, like I was a good lifter before that, but like that just kind of like sealed the deal for me. So what, talk us through that experience, uh, you know, putting on the Team USA singlet, competing in a different country. What was that like? Oh, my gosh. Um, nothing short of amazing. Um, I can't wait to do it again. Um, it Well, first, I got detained in Cuba. That was not amazing. <laughs> um, For what? But, okay. So they thought I was there before. They're like, you have family here. And I'm like, I do not have family here. So... Let me back up. So we, me and my teammate Estelle um, Roar, we flew into Cuba together and Team USA like was getting there. Like everyone like had kind of sort of different flights. Like some people got there earlier in the week that were lifting earlier. Some people were lifting later in the week so they got there later. So we didn't really have like a team, like Team USA rep was in the process of getting there as we were getting there. And so we actually had to have the Cuba team come and pick us up. Um, but in the process of doing that, we landed, didn't have service, so couldn't access like anything of like, hey, who's coming to get us? Like our main communication was the WhatsApp, um, but not having service and having very spotty Wi-Fi. It's like we, me and Estelle were trying to figure out like, all right, we're here. Who's picking us up? But in the in the process of doing that, like we got flagged, um, or more so, I got flagged, um, and they were like, "You've been here before. You have family here. Like you have a history of this." And like, there's like, just it was a terrifying experience. But now I can laugh at it because it's just like, I've never been here. I don't know what you're talking about. But there was no way I could communicate that because their translator spoke very broken English, and of course, I don't speak Spanish. So I was just like. I don't know what to say. Like I tried, like I had on like my USA, like it's like probably 90 degrees and I have on like my full like USA track suit because I'm like, I want to be easily identifiable. Didn't like, didn't work into it at all. The guy basically was like, anybody can buy that. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. That's probably fair. <laughs> but um, that, that was the like worst part of the trip was getting it. So I got detained a little bit because they were just basically trying to like make sure that I 
was legit, um, but I, I couldn't prove it because my phone didn't work. And it just made me realize like, wow, I'm super reliant on my phone. Maybe I should like actually carry around like some like my USAW like <laughs> membership card. Um, but yeah, so that, that part of the trip was horrible. But from qualifying for Cuba to like getting my singlet in the mail and then actually like performing in Cuba was, it's still a whirlwind for me. Like I'm, I still reflect back on it because like I took it in, but I didn't really like take it all in. Um, Cause it was something that I had worked for that I didn't think was a team. When I first started weightlifting, if someone told me like, yeah, you're going to qualify to be on team USA and like have all these opportunities, I would have been like, that's funny. I don't think that's possible, but that's funny, you know, but to be there and to like have my last name on my singlet, to have a, a singlet that has USA across it. Like, it's just like, I'm still in starstruck like of it because I'm just like, oh, like I did it, you know, but it's just like, now I'm just like, again, it's like taking that moment to like appreciate where I am and not get too greedy because now I'm like, all right, I want more, you know? <laughs> um, but no, it was, it was, and is an amazing experience. And I just representing Team USA and given the opportunity to do that is something that I never thought I would strive for, but also something that I want to do again. That's awesome. That's really cool to hear. And it, it is, it is, um, I think it's really cool that they have like the different level of international competitions too. So a lot of people can, not a lot. I mean, it's a very small number of people in USAW who are going to be able to do that, but there's more opportunities, which is cool. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't get too is like, they think like, oh, to be super competitive, like you had the next step after nationals is like, you gotta go to the Olympics. It's like, no, 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 whoa. Like there's smaller steps in between that. I mean, you got Pan Ams, you got Worlds, you got a lot of uh, other international competitions um, that you can do as an athlete. And it's just like, now that weightlifting is getting more and more attention, whether that's because of CrossFit or because of the Olympics itself, um, there's a lot more opportunities that are becoming available for us like hobby weightlifters in a sense um, that we can partake in. And I mean, so I'm trying to think like what there's Uruguay on the calendar and Switzerland. Um, Cause that's the thing a lot of people don't realize too. A lot of these smaller international competitions are mostly self-funded. Um, so the opportunity to, to get there is like you said, it's still, a challenge but it's still an opportunity and a lot of lifters that are either at that higher level or getting to that higher level have just as like an equal opportunity as the next higher level lifter because i mean because these trips are self-funded some people don't want to go or some people don't have the availability to go so it's like you may get an opportunity that you didn't realize you had because just the stars align yeah and I, I mean, it is cool to hear like when you're kind of in your garage for the last couple of years, you never really see yourself being able to do this and then it happens. Oh no, you hear about like, and that's the thing is like, that's the one thing I hope to show with my just crazy like garage antics. Cause I mean, I show myself dancing in my garage. I show myself failing in my garage. Like I just want to portray to everyone, like you don't have to have like the perfect like like strict schedule like you don't have to have the perfect diet plan you don't have to have the ideal like team the ideal coach like you can do it yourself and you can get as far as you want to get but because at the end of the day for weightlifting it comes down to the commitment of it because it's a lot of time it's a lot of energy it's a lot of effort but if you're committed to it like 
that drive is going to, is going to be what puts you ahead. Truly. Like it's something that if, it, if your drive is something that you can rely on and just keep going and keep tucking away at, like it's going to get you somewhere, even though you might not be in the ideal, like pristine situation, like it will get you somewhere. What were your goals when you first got into the sport? How have they changed, you know, since, I mean, now you said you competed for Team USA, you want to do it again. But what were Reba's goals in the beginning when it's like you're lifting probably not that much weight? So talk it's us so through that. It's so embarrassing, yeah. <laughs> so uh, my first goal, geez, um, <clears throat> I wanted to <laughs> – I, I'm, I'm that person that likes to win. So I'm like, I want to win my first like local competition. Um, well, my first competition I actually did. Um, so I'm in North Carolina, um, but I, my first competition I did in Durham. Um, and I pretty, and I hate to say it like this, but I won it by participation because I think I was like one of 271 lifters. Um, actually weighed it. Like, I didn't even know the concept of weighing in. I was like, oh, I'm around 71. And I like weighed, I like ate before, not like even like, I knew what I was doing, but I was like, oh, I'll still be in the 71 weight class. Weighed in completely over, ended up being a 76. And so that's how I kind of like won because there was only two 71s and I was supposed to be one of the two and there was zero 76s. So I like went out to my first competition and won. <laughs> so after that, I was like, maybe I need to reevaluate my goals. So like after that, um, I my goals were to qualify for um what was the next goal after that so I wanted to like actually like win like win a competition so I wanted to win my um North Carolina State Championships that was one of my goals and then I also wanted to qualify for the American Open um which is the, uh, the North American Open um and then like my biggest goal was like qualifying for senior nationals because I'm like that's super like competitive like heavy entry total like I really want to do that and I, and I had a goal, like, of course I wanted to win, but like for those like bigger meets of like the American Open, the Senior National, or actually, no, it wasn't Senior National, sorry. It was the fi- American Open finals like that I wanted to get after because that had a lower, even lower entry total than seniors because I was like, Senior Nationals is totally unattainable. So like, it was like those little like national competitions that I'm like, I want to, like, I didn't even want to win. I just wanted to get there. Those are my goals when I first started. And then... Like, as I progressed, I was like, all right, maybe I should have goals about, like, what I want my numbers to be. But even still, even now, like, I never really got into, like, the mindset of, like, all right, I want to snatch 100. I want to have a 150 clean and jerk. Like, of course, like, would it be awesome to do that? Heck, yeah. But I never really put an emphasis on my numbers. I more so put an emphasis on where I want to be. And for me, that worked out a lot better than the numbers themselves, because I always told myself the numbers will come like it comes through training, through strength, like through my commitment to the sport, like the numbers will come, but the opportunities to get there, like I want to put myself in certain places. And so I always oriented my goals around competitions themselves. But as I, yeah. So when I was, when I was first starting out, it was like just the nationals events. And now I'm just like, well, the sky's the limit. Let's, let's see where we can go. You know? Yeah. I like that. That's good though too, like not being tied into the numbers. I think it. I think a lot of people get wrapped up in. I. I certainly did. That was one of my problems. Like I always wanted to, you know. I wrote down when we got into the quarantine. I wrote down a total that I wanted to hit, and I looked at it every day. 
because I heard if you put your goals on the mirror or you look at them all the time, like you're going to hit them. And then constantly every day I walked in the gym and it's like, wow, I'm really far away from this. And it always felt like a failure. But if you focus on, hey, where I'm at right now, like what's the what's the next thing I can do today? Like, I think that's a much better approach than I want to snatch 90. And then every day you don't snatch 90. It feels like it's a waste of time or it feels like you're failing. But if you can say, hey, I want to go in and have the best technique day I can. I'm, I want a no miss day. Like just setting goals that you can that you can hit and like constantly. Because I think too, one of the things that I was always like, o- always observe people is I never like to miss in training. I really place an mm-hmm. emphasis. And sometimes it got me in trouble because I would not take weights that I didn't think I was going to hit where, you know, sometimes you miss opportunities to PR. But I think missing in training like you're kind of teaching your body that it's okay to miss but if you make if you make almost every rep then you're constantly training hey good technique good technique I'm always hitting reps and then you get on the platform maybe you don't feel the best but you're you know 90 out of 95 snatches you've hit so you're getting ready to make lifts but if you're missing a lift five six ten times in a session you're training your body hey Every time I take this, I miss. Exactly. Oh my! So many. I wish so many people would like hone in on that because, again, Brittany is super big on that, and she was the first coach. First coach that I had that was like, "Why are you missing? Like, what? What's the point? Not not because like it's heavier, like, but truly, like, she's like, why are you missing warmups? Why are you? Why aren't you making this? And it's just like I never thought about it. Like, like up until that point, I was like, "What do you mean? Like, I always miss." And it's she's like you always missing is you like you repeating that motor function. So of course you're going to always miss because you're getting used to that. You're telling your body, like, in a sense, you're telling your body, this is okay. You know? And it's just like a lot of weightlifters. I don't think focus on consistency enough where it's just like, you get super consistent where you can hit your 80 to 90%. Like that's a nice threshold. That's a really nice threshold to be in because when we get on, on the platform, usually and I say usually like you aren't going out there hitting a PR with your opener like that's just not the norm you know it's like you're so you're starting around that like 80 to 90 percent threshold and if you can say like all right this last training cycle like I had no misses it was really good and like you can rely on your body like that like you're only going to then be able to push yourself to the limit but again a lot of lifters don't like because they have that number mindset of like all right well I want to go in and I want to hit 90 today and it's just like Again, you get in that mindset of like, all right, well, you know, I'm getting there, I'm getting there, or like, I'm gonna miss it until I make it. Like, I just, it, that, I mean, I laugh because like, I know some people that still do that, and I'm just like, oh, I mean, I guess if it works for you, it works for you. But it's just like, weightlifting at the end of the day comes down to consistency. And the more you make, even I don't care if it's lower or not, you're just teaching your body how to, how to make it in the sense, you know, rather than how to not. <laughs> Yeah. And it goes back to that comparison thing too. Like a lot of people, you put that entry total because you want to be in the A session or you want to be in the B session or wherever you're at. Like you, you want to be in that next higher session and you want to be competitive with this person instead of just, you know, maybe you had a bad training cycle. It's okay to put an entry total that's 20 kilos lower than lower than you've ever done before because that's where that's where you need to be and it's like hey you get out on the platform and you feel great like sure go for it but yeah i think if you even look at i 
I'm a big fan of after a meet. Like I would look at see how everyone did. I I go through all the weight classes. Like I'm looking at people, just everybody. I I love that. I'm like a big nerd when it comes to that. But how many people go six for six at a national yeah. meet? It's, I mean, fifty maybe, maybe fifty people. Yeah, at the at the AO one, and how many people competed? Like nineteen hundred. So you think, and. I mean, weightlifting is a sport where you have to take chances too. You have to yeah. be okay with missing, but like they, I mean, ideally you go six for six and you hit PRs. It's not yeah. one or the other. I've had, co- I've heard coaches. I don't have, no, I've never had a coach that it was like, oh, you make, a, you just need to make one snatch and one clean and jerk. But I've heard of coaches who have said that. And I'm like, I've always cringed at that. Cause I'm like, I mean, yeah, the total, um, sure make one or one of each lift and you're still in it you know but just going in with that mindset I'm just like shouldn't we like go more for hey let's make all of our lifts even if they aren't at the capacity or at the max that we want them to be like and that's the thing is like most people that are lifting don't need to like you don't need you don't need to peer on the stage I mean unless you're trying to like truly unless you're and I know that I'm probably going to get some flack for this unless you're trying to make a team or something like that like I would much rather see a lifter go out and have a six for six day opening, like you said, 20 kilos under what they normally open under than struggle and have a three for six day or even struggle to have a four for six day. Like, I think it's so much better on your mental psyche when you can say, when you can walk away from a competition and say, I made all six of my lifts. Like there was a time where um, at national competitions, they were like, they give people like little cute little wristbands for going six for six. I mean, like, I mean, it's, it's awesome. Like they, they, and I don't think they do it anymore, but they used to do that, you know, but because that's a hard feat because a lot of people, you're right. Like you look at the results after and you're like, dang, that's a lot of red, you know, but it's, it's again, that mindset of like, all right, well, I'm just going to go hit what I can hit and just like, like consist all consistency goes a little bit. And I was like, no, 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 no. Let's rewind it back. Let's go back to being consistent and having like those good meets that you can rely on. Cause at the end of the day, it's like, when you look at a meet, like, and maybe it's just me, but like when I look at a meet, like I can't necessarily recall all the numbers that I hit, but I can recall like how I felt and like the majority of like the lifts I hit. So I just had my first comp, my first national competition with Brittany, um, a few months ago month oh, sorry time is not my <laughs> strong suit but like our thing we like our thing going in is like could I hit a PR did I peak for that oh yeah I did but it's like why put that stress on the competition itself like it's our first meet together it's like my first meet that I've done in a while like let's just be consistent and I went five out of six and the only reason why I missed one of my cleans is like was like a fluke like it was my opening clean and I would just I don't know. Like I just literally pulled it and I was like, where am I? And I'm like, Oh, I'm on the stage. Cool. Let me dump it. Like, it was just like, but that's the thing is like, I don't necessarily remember those numbers that I hit at that competition, but I knew I went five out of six. And that's one of the better performances that I've had, like out of my whole career, you know, I've went six for six a few times, but five out of six, like is really good. And I just think I say all that to say, like, I wish more people would go in that mindset of like, wanting to make lifts versus wanting to go like all right let's just hit this we need one we need one and i'm like Ooh. i mean but do you do but there's more to it than that you know i think that just transfers over into everyday life too like if you're able to like you said look at the big picture 
I mean, you can maybe, maybe you peak today. Maybe like whatever you're doing is going to be the best that you're ever going to do in your life. But chances are, it's probably not going to be like whatever, whatever goal you're chasing. It doesn't have to be if you're a weightlifter, but like today might not be the day and that's fine. Like do what, do what you can today. And then you stack those up and you keep stacking up those wins. And it's like, if you, we want to compare it to weightlifting, go six for six, four meets in a row. And then, Hey, when it is time to go for it, you made all these lifts going into that. And like you built that consistency. And I think if you can do the same thing with life, like if you're able to have a good morning routine and you, you know, you do these things every single day, when you have something that comes up, you're like, Hey, I did this. I did this a million times before. So I'm able to kind of dial it back. And then, yes, when those opportunities are there, for sure, take them, go for it, go big. But yeah, I think that's, I mean, back to social media again, like we want it today. We want to, you know, like we just want to be the best we possibly can so we can show other people who probably don't care what we're doing. And I call it the microwave effect. And it's just like, so I'm, I'm getting into coaching and I've been in coaching now. Um, and it's just like people want instant results and, and no matter what they do. And it's just like from nutrition to working out, to being strong, to like, being consistent they want they want it instantly and I'm like it doesn't come like that you know but at in a world where we have I mean a device that's like can tell us the weather can we can order stuff from across the world and have it thanks Amazon and (laughs) companies like that like literally have it next day or you know within the week it's like of course we're in that mindset of wanting things like right then right there but it's just like you're right it's those small things that like carry over where we have to just like ask ourselves, like, all right, well, if we have a good morning routine, if I know this is what works for me, like, all right, how is this going to carry on to the rest of my day? Because that a lot of stuff like that in weightlifting plays, like you said, plays into your life. And I'm a big person on like writing down. I'm super tangible. So I, I still have a weightlifting journal right here. You know, like I write down my workouts, even though like all my workouts are in true coach and I upload videos and stuff like that. But the reason why I write stuff down is because I write down when I have like a good training day, a bad training day, or just a mediocre training day. So that way I can kind of fine tune like, all right, I had a good workout today. And maybe it's because I ate my waffle and had my protein shake like 30 minutes before I actually worked out rather than as I'm working out, you know? Um, but it's little things like that where you, if you can just fine tune those little things in your life and it's just like, figure out what works for you. Cause again, what works for you doesn't work for everyone. Like then you can just start building on that, building on that. And it's going to come from sure consistency in the gym, but then consistency in your life, which ultimately plays back into the gym because, Hey, you have a good day outside of weightlifting you're probably gonna have a good day in weightlifting or it might be vice versa you never know until you start figuring out what works for you yeah what do you do outside of the gym to keep your i mean keep your body healthy keep your relationships healthy like what what kind of small habits do you do on a daily basis um so i'm again big person on journaling um it's not in the sense of like dear diary but it's more in the sense of like all right, I journal because I tend to compartmentalize like my day and like what I do. And it kind of goes back to giving myself, um, giving myself a round of applause and like saying like, all right, I've got, I got through this today. All right, I did this today, you know? Um, So journaling is something that I'm a big person in or a big um, 
I'm a bit really four. Um, I also read a lot. Um, I like, I never really was into like the motivational reading series or books or anything like that, but there's a few that my coaches recommended that has been really good. Um, and it actually helps with settling the mind and like, actually, instead of like going to bed, looking at my phone, I try and go to bed, looking at a book instead. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I have a horse, like I have other little things like that, that like truly take away, like take my mind out of weightlifting. Cause it got to a point where I was super obsessive over weightlifting and I'm like reading about it, looking at it, going to meets and like, don't get me wrong. It's my happy place. And it's what I enjoy. But I also found like, I need to truly disconnect from that in order to like, still be able to enjoy it over time. Um, so yeah. So anyway, so yeah, I have a horse um, that I go see, which is like completely takes me out of my element because I just got back into like the horse world and like being a beginner is never easy, but it's very humbling. Um, and then, I mean, for like relationships and stuff, like stuff like that with friendships, it's just like about just being a better person making sure I'm there for not only myself, but those around me um, and holding myself accountable with that. I just try and like be available to, cause again, like with weightlifting taking such a big presence in my life, I get, I get, I kind of like, not intentionally, but I do kind of shut some people out because I'm just like, all right, well, I got to train, you know? And it's just like, all right, that's fine. But like, still I can have a relationship with my friends, family and all that, but I just have to kind of make them the next priority. But in doing that, like I can like take a 10 minute phone call here or a FaceTime there, you know? Um, So just taking a step out of weightlifting and making sure I have other opportunities and other stuff that isn't weightlifting connected ensures that I have a better weightlifting career. <laughs> I keep asking those waiting for somebody to tell me something like revolutionary, but a lot of times it's like, get off your phone, read journal, go for walks. And I mean, if you do those things, like you're in a pretty good spot. You can really, you can really go deep and you can listen to Andrew Huberman and get into the science of dopamine and all that shit. But like do, do small stuff, do it every day. And chances are, you're probably going to have a better life. I mean, there's no quick, there's no quick fix or like secret answer that like is out there, but you're, I mean, you're 100% right. It's just about what it comes down to is just disconnecting from the world and connecting with yourself. No matter like that could be like walking or, or doing more, um, I don't know, more self-awareness, like routines and stuff like that. But it's just like, I don't really do anything extra like physical on top of weightlifting. I used to, when I first got into weightlifting, I was doing CrossFit at the same time. And I'm like, I want to be the next Tia Toomey. Like, I want to be doing both, you know? Realize really quickly, that is very hard and really honestly not obtainable for your average person. Um, So I always thought I needed like another physical activity to keep me healthy with weightlifting. But in all actuality, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, I see a PT every week or I see this person. Like, I don't. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, and it's like, I'm lucky enough to have a healthy body to not need to do that. Um, but really, for me, it's more about the, the mental expansion than it is the physical expansion, because I get enough of the physical um, with weightlifting, with the programming and how my coach programs for me that I don't need to go out and like be like a triathlete and, or I don't need to go out and like go on super long walks. Like that just isn't, that doesn't work for me, but it could work for somebody else. You know, maybe they enjoy taking their dogs out on a walk or maybe they enjoy like running a light, like 5k or something like that. It just about different strokes for different folks. Like whatever works, works, you know? 
Yeah. My favorite quote is by Corey Gregory, and it goes, I don't do anything special every day. I just don't fucking miss. And I've always kind of stuck by that. that. Yeah, that's that's my favorite thing. So whatever you're doing, and yeah, you don't have to be obsessive over it. Like sometimes you're going to miss and like don't take that as like you need to, you know, you need to quit everything and you need to optimize all the time. Like, yeah, some days miss. It's okay. Like you get sick, whatever. You can't do something. Cool. Next day, just don't like just don't miss two days in a row. Like the, the stuff that we think is revolutionary really isn't it's just like be consistent work out journal read go for walks try to have good relationships be a better person than you were and you'll be in a pretty good spot yeah i mean the the biggest like thing that i hope people take away is just like figure out yourself like what works for you i mean with a world that we live in where we constantly have like ads that are like targeted towards us telling that what we need, what we want, what we can't live without. And like, and then also having a window into other people's lives through social media about, about what works for them. Like, I'm not saying that you can't go out and try like bubble tea because you think you might like it be- because like I recommended it or something like, no, like try it out, see if it works for you. But if it doesn't, then move on, you know, like there's things out there that can make you a better you. You just have to be the one to figure that out. I love it. Where can uh, people find you if they want to follow your weightlifting journey? Yeah, follow me on social media, Reba Reeves, R-E-E-B-Z. Um, that's really my only social media. I have a Twitter, but I hardly ever use it, so don't even worry about that. Um, but yeah, just find me on Instagram under Reba Reeves and, and TikTok. I, I'm like... Uh, I post on TikTok every now and then, but my Instagram is linked in it. Same, Reba Reeves. Just type in Reba Reeves and I'll come up. (laughs) Cool. Well, thanks for coming on. Of course. Thank you so much for having me.